Hello again to all of you. It is Chris Calvert here from Career Goals, and I am going to take you through a fast track for an executive level career in consumer marketing with my guest today, Ariane Langsam, and she is the Vice President of Consumer Marketing for Pilot Pen, which you might be well familiar with as you're probably writing with one right now, and you know all about that company. So how do you end up being in consumer marketing? Ariane's background is different. So you think, I don't know what you would think, go to business school, get a marketing degree and go start working for a company kind of ish. Um, Ariane didn't do that. She went into science first. So let's first listen to her talking about how do you bridge that gap from being a scientist to going into business? You know, the fact that I'm selling pens is a bit of a surprise. But the fact that I'm working on marketing products to people based on the attributes they deliver against their psychographic needs, you know, that makes sense to me because of the whole scientific background. I've taken, I take a scientific approach to everything that I do. I love creative problem solving. Remember that section on the GRE that was like, if A's next to B and C's next to Q, where's D? I love those (laughs) questions. And that's what I really do across product and research and consumer marketing, um, you know, and even, you know, a little bit with creative services and, and strategy. What I love about what she says there is um, the type of work that she does. It is creative problem solving. What she identifies as her job really is to solve problems. So as a scientist, she was a scientist. That was the intention. And then, you know, moving on. But um, really think about this as you're going, you know, talking about this. She talks about that little section on the, the GRE or the GMAT, you know, whatever test you're taking. There's something on the LSAT that's very similar. If you love that kind of stuff, the little logic and boxes and things kind of making sense and lining up and numbers and analysis, this is marketing. This is this is marketing. And I think if you're not in marketing, you don't understand how much analysis is involved and looking at numbers and stats. Uh, it, there's a lot of really, I think for me, like there's a lot of excitement in the numbers and what you can get. And she talks about psychographics. That's like, how do you feel about this pen? You know, when you write with this, like, you know, how great are your emotions in in writing with this? Or how much do you, you know, need to love this pen in order to write this great novel? You know, I have friends that I know who write novels in, you know, longhand in pen. So this is all very cool stuff. And so as we're going through this fast track, just think about the kinds of problems that you want to be solving. If you identify with Ariane, this might be an area for you. So listen to her talking about, you know, solving these kind of problems. The way, you know, we go to market, um, the way we do things really is based is, is the culmination of everything that I've been doing way back to, you know, when we were in school together. Right. So, um, and even like when I was on the playground, I thought I want to be a doctor because so I wanted to solve problems. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand how things worked and I wanted to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I get to do just in a very different way than I thought when I was you know, on the playground uh, when I was little. Right. So this is really important. Solving problems, understanding how things work, and then connecting with people. That is marketing. And I think she does a great job of, of illustrating that for us in that little piece. So what did she expect to do? It wasn't working for a pilot pen when she was little on the playground. So what did she expect to do? Here's that. Or scientist was what was Absolutely, going to kind right? of, um, you know, pay the bills and change the world and, and really make a difference. And, you know, at, finished with a, a degree in biology and um, German literature, 
which was, we'll go into that later okay, if you'd like. perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, went to graduate school and uh, for neuroscience. And I finished a MS in neuroscience in psychoneuroimmunology. And that seemed like that was on the pretty straight path from where I started. And about um, halfway through that, I realized that although I loved a lot about science, it was too solitary. Um, loved the problem-solving aspects of it, but the day-to-day really wasn't a good fit. So interesting. And this, again, is why this podcast could be so helpful is to think about what kind of work you want to be doing and then go and try it and see if that is a fit for you or not. So eventually Ariane decides, you know what, I um, obviously you get she is brilliant, like a really bright person. So if you're identifying with someone who is academically advanced, an exceptional student, you also, you know, have this kind of love the logic, the numbers, like putting things together, thinking, you know, think about if you want to really be a thinker for your work, this is a way to really synthesize information. Uh, this is a great field uh, to, to think about. So what about going to business school? She has this little intercession that, um, where she, you know, met someone who had been in business school, and she got intrigued by that and decided to kind of switch gears. So what did that look like in business school? I don't think I realized what that a lot of people went to biz, studied business in undergrad. Right. And, and for a lot of people, the first semester of business school was um, cakewalk. Yeah, all stuff they knew super well. And to me, it was, um, I'd never seen any of it before. And um, as I'm, I know you know, about business school is if you get anything lower than a B, you're done. Mm-hmm. You can't move forward. You have to retake the class. You have to retake it over the summer. I, because I didn't have any business experience, could not get anything lower than a B. Otherwise, I was basically done. Right. So that gives you an idea about changing fields. And I know so, so many people think about, dream about, you know, what did daydream about? Oh, what if I went to this or started over or did something? There are costs to that. And it's great if you can find the one thing that fits from the beginning and go forward. But the cool thing about this story is that if you're smart and you just keep at it and keep your level up, then you continue to create opportunities for yourself. And that is really the key in Ariane's story is that she keeps her level up. And by that, I mean, academically, professionally, personally, her network, all those things are are lining up. So even so, changing fields is not easy. Listen to her talk about that. I'd already changed fields, um, and the struggle that I went through going from science to business, I mean, it was tough. I worked so hard. Right. She's saying that she worked so hard and she is really bright. So this is this is kind of gives you an idea to start thinking about if you're this person who's driven, smart, ambitious, and can keep up that level of ambition, then the sky's the limit. And as I'm going to be talking about this, you'll get a sense if you are listening through the full episode, Ariane is in a CEO level executive position that like the springboard here is the next step is the CEO level. So if you want to do that, you kind of have to line up these dots consistently and again, build the network. So what about if you don't understand the culture of your new industry? So you say you're going from science and now you're going into business. You might have some bumps in the road. And I would say be prepared for that because or vice versa, right? There's just there are cultures that exist that are different in different industries. So this is my favorite story in this interview. It is so incredibly helpful. Listen to her talking about learning about even something as simple as what she was wearing to an interview. The interesting thing was when I started going out on interviews, I wasn't getting any 
callbacks. I wasn't getting any right. se- yeah. second um, interviews. And my, somebody we went to school with, um, Trisha, we were both uh, home on Long Island. And she said, well, let, I, and I said, hey, can I, I know you're working for this consulting firm. You are just doing amazing. Can I pick your brain? Because something's not working because mm-hmm. I can talk to people. I'm personable. You know, I, I, I answered all their questions and I'm not getting a second interview. I can't figure it out. She said, okay, well, put on your interview suit, sit down. And I'm going to interview you. I said, Love Great. it. Perfect. So she's sitting at uh, my kitchen table. I come down the stairs with my interview suit, you know, my cute little, my cute little outfit. And I sit down and she goes, oh no, 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 no. Like, Wait, what? I didn't even said anything. She goes, mm-mm-mm. I go, okay, I just, I'm, I, what's happening? She goes, tell me about your suit. She goes, you know what this suit says to me? And I'm like, I don't know, fabulous design. I'm, I'm like so excited about the embroidery. And I'm like, look at the seam binding. I did a great look at my accessories. Exactly. Yeah. Like, look at my shoes. Like I am Absolutely. just, boom, together, <laughs> killing it, you know? And she's just, she goes, this suit says that I'm an individual. I don't care what you think. And basically what she said is, you know, no one's even getting to you. They're not getting past the suit. Well, right. So, I mean, she said that. I don't know if you can hear me on on the recording. I literally, I'm like, whoa, that is crazy because you think she's in business school. You know, she's very savvy. She knows what she's doing. She definitely knows how to dress exceptionally well. She's a total fashionista. And then even in this, missing the mark. And it's really just not knowing what to ask. So that this is key to think if you can kind of um, maybe a lot of the help on this podcast is to be able to use other people's experiences to your advantage. This would be one of those areas where if you don't know the culture, find out the culture, you know, get some tips on the inside. She had career services, you know, she, uh, like I'm telling you, this is someone who's extremely accomplished. And this is a great story and a great, uh, a great learning from this. So listen a little bit more about that suit story about what that's doing for her in these interviews and why she's not getting these callbacks. I think as I was not getting second interviews, I think my confidence was starting to diminish a bit. And I think I might have been undermining myself. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that, um, you know, Trish, this person that I've known for a large portion of my life, who was very successful, you know, she didn't say, don't be you. She said, let them say, yep, she's got it. And then see you and hear you and see all the things that make you special and different. But you need to be part of a team. Mm -hmm. If your suit is screaming, I don't care about the rules. They're not going to believe when you say I'm a team player. Even if you have 10 examples, you're undermining your own credibility. I don't think I realized there was a way things were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I came from science where I you wear seen, yeah. Birkenstocks and jeans and a yeah. lab coat. And if you wore makeup, it was a little weird. It, it, absolutely. So I think that was just something I, I don't think I understood the language or, or I didn't have the currency or however you want to say that. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know to ask. I mean, it's, it's such, that's such a good point. And again, I think that's my favorite just whole piece of, of the interview and her story is just setting back and looking and saying, wow, you know, this is an area that I can grow in. And I and don't, don't disadvantage yourself. I think what might happen to people in as younger in your career, earlier in your career, is that you and this I asked her, I said, you know, you're at a point where you it's either the suit or the, the industry, right? Because you're saying I'm, I'm this is who I am, I'm wearing this suit. But, you know, great advice, great advice from our friend there saying, look, you know, just give yourself a chance. Just, you know, play the game, really, you know, get in there where where the culturally 
acceptable attire show up and don't confuse anyone don't make it harder for them make it easy for them and that's just a really good story in this whole experience so then she does get a job she changes the suit you know gets you know gets whatever that that more i guess you know straight conservative less fashionable kind of situation goes on extra interviews and then gets some great great really good job offers. So um, listen to her talking about where to get some good uh, marketing experience for consumer marketing. Merck and Johnson and Johnson had a partnership called Johnson and Johnson Merck that had launched Pepsid over the counter. And I thought, well, if I am going to go do consumer marketing, I'm going to go work for Johnson and Johnson Merck because that's the real consumer marketing. Uh, right. And was, is that true? Because I mean, yeah. uh, oh, it is. Right. I mean, P&G and J&J. I, mean, I hope you found that to be true. Yeah, no, yes. P&G and, sure. and J&J are the two places that if you can choose where you want to do your learn your consumer marketing, I mean, in my opinion, yeah. those are those I would are think the like t- some of the big like Johnson Wax, like things like yeah, that, yeah. too. Right. I thought that was that's really important um, in thinking about this level. She's an executive level. There are companies that are so skilled at consumer marketing where you could learn so much. And again, this is keep your grades up, keep your network solid, wear the right clothes. This is be the person that they want to hire. It's exceedingly important that you show up as the person who can fill these roles. And by the way, if you show up that way, you're solving a problem for them. So make it easy for them to solve their problem, which is getting people into these positions by being that person. And then you can have all your analytical skills or, you know, have your expression of your suit and do all that stuff later, get in the door. I thought that was that's really great. And these companies are incredible with the work that they do and the training that they have for for you to then be able to do it. So listen to her and talking about that training that she's getting and having, she'll call it P&L responsibility. And if you're not familiar with that, that's profit and loss responsibility. And that really is like running a business. Listen to her talking about that. So at Merck, um, they did a great job of training you in each function. And eventually you would work your way up to senior director and you'd finally have P&L responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, At J&J, when you joined a team um, like the uh, Pepsid team, the first, the the newest member gets, is responsible for the budget. (laughs) And if you're, yeah, so uh, no pressure. And but you, thank goodness, because right. at least you had some background for that. Right, but you so. end up managing a budget and you end How big is the budget? It was a sizable. I would it imagine. It was in the, you know, millions and mm-hmm. add a little more onto that. But yeah, it was, um, that was a Hispanic piece only, mm-hmm. you know, but um, you end up with P&L responsibility and it is something that you don't get until you're much higher level. In, uh, at, at, at a Merck or another company like that. So I love the fact that I had ownership of all aspects of the business, that I had to grow the business, and then I was responsible for the spending to grow the business. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at ROI, and I was really owning it. And to me, that was super exciting. Yeah. And if you're a leader and you are this person who is in the, you know, moving to executive level, you would love that because that is, it's kind of sink or swim. These budgets are huge. It is not easy to keep everything in line in these budgets. That's why I was like, oh, really? That's like your first job. Uh, it's it's challenging, but it's super exciting if you are if you are this person. it's Some people will fold. That's a lot of pressure. Um, so again, know yourself. That That's an incredible opportunity. So what does having that P&L responsibility do for you if you are going on? On, you know, continuing on with your career. No, and it's also, it's very much an upper out culture. So it's not like you just manage the budget and let's see how it goes. Like yeah. if you did not come in within 1%, that was, th- things would not work out well for you. It was very much upper Which out. Which is tricky on a budget that big. You know, mm-hmm. It like, was intense, but it was yeah. great. And, you know, I learned a lot. And if I hadn't had that experience, I don't think I could 
do what I now do at Pilot. Right. Super important. You never know what these, this is like about continuing to volunteer for the more difficult tasks because you will only be learning from them. And again, you're learning on someone else is paying you and you're still, you know, learning. So always to be learning and growing. And then when you listen to this too, when she says, yes, it was intense, but it was great. So you are that, if you're that person, listen for yourself in that. Do you thrive in that intensity? Do you thrive in that kind of pressure? If someone's going to say, you know, sink or swim, you say, you you know, I'm, I'm swimming, then this, t- this type of work at this level could be a great fit for you. So what does Ariane really do? What is her job? You know, she has this really fancy title, Vice President of Consumer Marketing for Pilot Pen. What does that translate into in terms of her work? And what I do is all of the consumer marketing. So I do all of the advertising, all of the PR, all of the market research, all of the product lifecycle management from what we're launching that's new, what's currently in the market, and then what we're going to be taking out of the market. And then I also work on strategy across our key accounts. Oh, I actually forgot as part of, I also manage all of creative services. I mean, that it's just a huge responsibility. And this, you know, it's not a small company. All of creative services means every ad agency, every other, if they farm out any of their own stuff, you know, if they want to make an, uh, an advertisement on TV, if they want to do a print ad, if they want to, you know, do something else outside of their company, if they don't have people in house, then she manages all those external agencies, which is also another huge job. In addition to when she's talking even just about marketing inside that again is going to be, you know, looking at numbers, looking at these what they call psychographics, you know, just different surveys on, you know, pen users and, you know, just getting a sense. You talked even in the beginning of this talk about how 25% of the users of the pen users are engaged, like committed users, like they really care about what they're writing with. And so then she obviously is playing to that market. And then the the other people who just need a pen, you know, that's just, it's very cool. This, this kind of work for someone who's like analytical and likes to figure stuff out and, you know, work with people and do things and then see their, their products out there. It's really exciting. And I think interesting. And then you get to, you know, she manages a large team. I think I forget what she said, you know, 16, 20 people who work directly for her. So you have management responsibilities. So it's just, there's a lot of elements here that for someone who is a go-getter winner is just going to fit in really, really nicely. So all that's going along great. (laughs) But this is just to go back a little bit in time to say, what do you do when you have a little wrench in your life? So this is cute. This is an example of kind of what happens when things don't go the way that you thought that they were going to keep going. So I was working for Johnson & Johnson Merck, and um, I was living in Philadelphia, and my husband was a CFO, and he ended up getting his dream job offer in Jacksonville, Florida, to be VP of Business Development. And I said to him, there is cried. No- <laughs> I cried a lot. And then I said, well, there, you know what? It's not about me. It's about, there has to be, there's no marketing in Jacksonville. So there is no possible way that I could go there because I cannot give up my career. I've worked so hard. And he said, that makes sense. He goes, but can you at least just see if there's any marketing in Jacksonville? And I said, I'll see. So I walk into work and I sit down in my boss's office and I go, tell her the story. And I go, yeah. And I said, there's no marketing in Jacksonville. So there is no way we are going. And she's like, actually there is marketing in Jacksonville. Excuse me? She goes, yeah, Johnson & Johnson has a business down there. It's called Visticon. They make contact lenses. Not a small, not like a little bit of marketing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, major, 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 major company doing extremely well. And I thought, huh, well, 
And I was like, well, I'm sure the culture is nothing like it is here. Like, this is our own little company, and this is amazing. She's like, no, actually, I know the um, CEO down there, and he's incredible. He was actually my mentor. Right. This That was important, I thought, because it, you never know. You just don't know what's going to come up in your life or how your career is going to get sidetracked or hijacked or any of this stuff. So the key things there, I think, are you know her network, that she'd built a, a good network. She is obviously a an enjoyable employee, you know, they, they want to support her, they want to have her around, they, you know, would support a transition like this. And then she has transferable skills, you know, skills that she can really just take, take from this thing, plug in here, yes, you have the movement, yes, you're going to have some, you know, you might have to start at the bottom a little bit again, or, you know, take a lateral, you know, you might have a little bump in terms of the trajectory that you're trying to get to. But that's all part of it. And if you are in the position just to keep again just keeping your network up keeping your skills up especially this is this is how your career just keeps evolving and getting more and more awesome so what about another kind of bump in the road she's had a couple of them so here's another one of those he said you know what? well I'll, I'll help you and we'll get you a role that has non-pnl mm-hmm. and um you know we'll put you in a cul-de-sac you can have a year you can't have more than that because we're an upper out culture you get that we all get that but yeah you will give you a year and that was in uh October and in January actually I'm, I think I took only seven months maternity leave but so and it was in October and in January they laid off everybody who didn't have P&L responsibility oh there you go there you go yeah and that was the strangest thing to have happen for Be- a winner yeah and I've always been like you know if, where, it's like the top two percent or a TP sure. performer like you know high potential yeah. and you're you know, achievement driven yeah and and all of a sudden it was just like the music stopped right i mean that this stuff happens and so there you are especially you're getting a sense of who ariane is i mean she is someone who pretty much nails it on anything that she does so to be in that position and you know this was just related to a maternity leave maternity leave and kind of just taking backing off a little bit on responsibility for a short term and then ended up being in a position where just like you know blanketed with everyone else it wasn't any personal thing she gets she gets out of a job and there you go so she's motivated by certain things and you might identify yourself again this is like look for yourself and if this is you listen to what motivates her and i hate to say it but the best way to motivate me is just like my um finance professor he said you know you have to get an a on the final what you should just drop the class now and i was like it is on. it's on it exactly. is on i am getting that a there yeah. is no and there's nothing else in this world than that a and i am getting and i'm getting an a in every single class <laughs> i am you just not only that right but i'll and, get, and I'll get I'm, all A's. exactly but yeah that's the thing is i get so motivated when somebody tells me you <laughs> you can't do this right this is just done. just just give up now Totally. I mean, that's just that's totally it. So and I think there are people who are like that. And there are people who are not. So know yourself because this, um, you know, corporate America can be pretty cutthroat. It can also be very supportive and engaging. And there's like so much learning that you can get. And you know, they'll send you these, you know, awesome seminars, you can work for these amazing companies, you know, you get these cool suites for sporting games. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that goes into working for a big corporation. And with that comes like a level of expertise that, um, you know, not everybody has this, but definitely when you get in these winning circles and these higher levels of management in these very reputable companies, you just want to make sure that you you are the person who is 
who is like this, who is motivated in this particular way. I mean, it's really type A kind of kind of motivation. That's the way I would describe it. Um, and along with that, this is another area where she thrived. She had to come into a, a lower level from where she was. And so she, this is, you know, she's moving around and, you know, her husband's changing jobs. And so she's changing jobs and then, you know, interviewing for different positions and listen to listen to her experience in doing that. This is actually lower than where I am right now. I took a, I did, I went backwards when I went to Johnson Johnson Merck. Um, how do I get from where I am to this role? And I'd like to do this in, in six this months lesson. or so. Yeah. But you don't say. But I was trying to throw the interview, I think. And he said, you know what? You show me that you are a leader and, you know, you are changing the business and you are creating all these things you're saying. You like creating things that were never there before. You can show me that you're going to do that. I'll promote you in six months. And if you don't show me that, if you never show me that, I will never promote you. Totally. So she loves that. Right. So that's this interview is so interesting for so many reasons. And this this kind of work is so interesting. But you have to be this person because I guarantee you're going to be in these rooms. That's the guy in this particular example. That's the guy who hires you. Right. So if he's saying that you got to come in ready for that. And it, it really is. You know, they're they're expecting a lot in these positions. And you need to be the person who's willing to. Um, bring that and who can deliver consistently on your work. Okay, so what about the salary question? I thought she had a really good way of approaching the salary question because it's a trap in so many ways. You know, if you're in an interview and they say, well, what was your salary at your last job? If you're going up, you don't want to say that your salary was half of what you're trying the job you're trying to get. And if you're going, you know, making some kind of career switching or some different moves, and maybe the salary is lower than what you had, but you're, you know, doing this, some strategic reason that you're taking a lower salary, that's also a trap, because either way, you could stand to lose. So listen to what she has to say about the salary question. You know, they asked me certain questions like, so tell us what your salary was at your previous job. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to tell you that, but I am going to tell you that I'm very interested in this job and I'm very loyal. If you look at my career, I went from Merck to Johnson & Johnson, Merck to Johnson & Johnson, mm -hmm. which was basically a continuum. And mm -hmm. if my husband had not moved us to Jacksonville, I never would have actually left. left. I probably would have gone back to Merck. So um, I'm not job hopper. I'm not looking for, you know, um, different companies and different experiences. If you hire me, I will stay. I will do the best I can for you. I will bring all of these skill sets to bear. I, I want this job. And that's all that I'm, I'm hoping you believe that. And I'm hoping you see in me the fit that I see. Yeah, this is cool. This, um, this marketing work is very cool. And that what you listen to the way that she's doing marketing right there. <laughs> so when you listen to that clip and listen to the way that she talks, she talks in marketing language, even in her vernacular, you know, just the way that she speaks in the world is positioning kind of uh, discussion. So that's what marketing is about is about, you know, positioning your products against other products or on their own, etc. And so you end up kind of becoming that person. And I, I just find it very interesting that 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 response was delivered in that way, which is very much a marketing response. It is excellent. I thought that was really, really helpful. I learned a lot from listening to her right there. And then I'm just going to let you in on a little bit of the thinking of an executive level manager when they think about um, work-life balance and when they think about the way that they approach their work. And then again, this is gonna, going to be the way that you, they might think about you if you are you know, one of the employees underneath them. 
I find myself starting to default back to that second shift where I'm going to get on my laptop mm-hmm. after dinner and sit in the chair and really not be paying any attention to the movie that we're all supposed to be watching exactly. and together as a family, just mm-hmm. clacking away on my computer. And I, I have to stop myself, but, and really just try and be fully present. And I think we all need to do that. I mm-hmm. think I am so much happier if I can spend a few hours with my family, with my son, with my husband. And at the end of that, that's been a real pure interaction. I'm that much more energized to go to work and really put myself into that 100%. So I think that's a big lesson that I took away from it. And, you know, I think everybody would internalize those hours differently. But I think if you've got a whole bunch of people that work really hard when they're there and then go home and live their lives and then come back energized to work really hard when they're there again, there's nothing bad about that. Right. So that, I thought that that was really helpful in thinking about it coming from her level. And, you know, their hours were amazing. They were something like, you know, seven to three or seven thirty to three thirty or something. And that, that was shocking to me. So what that was in the context of talking about her work and go, being able to go in in a very specific time frame and work like work when you're working and then, you know, be off and recharge and regenerate, you know, your, your whole kind of energy. Um, and then I'm going to close with this last piece, but then I'm going to tell you just going to kind of recap what you would need to, to do if you wanted to go into a career like this, but listen to what Ariane has to say about making mistakes. I want to redefine mistake. Um, mistake, it's, I think of it more as skiing. If you're doing, if you're not falling down when you're skiing, why are you even out there? You need to push yourself. You need to try things new. If you're just being completely conservative all the time, you're never going to get any place you've never been. Mm-hmm. And to me, mistakes are okay. I actually think they're fine. And for my team, I've told them. I said, I as you're growing into your new role, I expect mistakes. I just expect you to own them and us to figure out what happened. And then I don't like repeat mistakes, Yeah, you know, but mistakes are fine. It means you're learning and growing and figuring things out. So I think I tried one thing. It didn't really work, but there were certain things I really liked about science. I liked figuring something out. I liked creative problem solving. So then I went to business school and I thought I'm going to love all the numbers. And then I realized, yeah, I love the numbers, but I like where the numbers are taking me in a creative direction. And I also really like to win. I'm very competitive. Really good to know about yourself. Ridiculous. Did you, were you in sports? When you, um, like, I played tennis. Okay. I played tennis. Um, I also kind of lack common sense. So I like if I would play tennis and it'd be incredibly hot and I was somebody was way better than I was, I would never back down. Like, yes. And, you know, and then as I got older, I learned more common sense. Like, okay, you know, if someone's, you, you may lose the tennis game. You're not supposed to play until you actually pass, pass out. out. <laughs> I'm just laughing about that still because we were both of course, going to pass out like that's that's the same you recognize yourself in these conversations. So listen to what she said. They're very, very important figuring something out creative problem solving. So again, Ariane has a degree in biology, she ends up transitioning into business school to get an MBA gets an MBA then ends up working at, you know, Merck J&J, and then eventually pilot pens, getting really good experience along the way. So what goes along with that is, keeping your grades up in college, first and foremost, so that you can get into business school. But then once you're in business school, keeping up your grades and being positioned so that you can go into these companies that recruit right out of business school. If you show up, if you're going to do, I mean, we talk to plenty of people on this podcast that do different things. If you're going to do a sideline, this uh, it's going to be harder for you. It's going to be much harder for you than if you just um, can 
can commit to this education when you have time and the uh, fortitude to commit to it to be able to get the grades. And that's for undergrad, again, and then transitioning into business school so that you can get into a you know good, competent business school. She went to the Simon School. Um, and then you can en- end up getting recruited right out of that uh, education into one of these positions where they do have excellent training programs. They are looking for people who are go-getters, who are, are competent, who she has a science background. She could prove that she's a problem solver and, you know, able to think at high levels and think quickly and, you know, put things together, synthesize a lot of difficult information into cohesive units. So that's the kind of person that they're looking for in these particular jobs. You follow that all the way through. That's how you end up being an executive level. It's just it's just the way it is. And then being, you know, like, likable, but the competency here cannot be understated. That is what leads in this environment at these executive levels is the competency around so many systems around your own work, around being able to manage others, around the products themselves, you know, and around your ability to continually up your, your stock, if you will, and up your skills. So there you are. That is a not so quick, but full on story of what it is to be at the executive level in consumer marketing. And in this case, we were talking with our guest, Ariane Langsam, who is Vice President of Consumer Marketing for Pilot Pen. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Now the world is ready for you. And the wonders you